You're listening to the Goal Line Stand Podcast with Jackson Caudell and Kobe Reed, where we break down all things college football, including breaking news, recruiting, gameplay, and more. Let's get straight to it. Welcome back to the last episode of the Goal Line Stand Podcast here. This is Jackson Caldell. That is Kobe Reed. This is our first episode where we're not coming off of a game in quite a while. You know, last week we came to you right after the national championship game. Now we're coming off of news. Just, you know, we're just just chilling. You know, we're we're still we're just sitting and waiting. There is no off season here, but uh Kobe, man, how you doing? Doing good, man. It's weird. We're digging into some NFL football. I'm catching myself watching some NBA, college basketball. There ain't nothing like watching those game days on Saturdays, man. So I'm trying to find something to pass the time till next year. Man, if, if we were doing our live shows yet, which we're still currently working on, and don't worry, they're coming. Um, I, I would, I would do a big ceremony and I would take a match and burn my 22 to one Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl ticket, which Sam Hubbard took 99 yards to the end zone. Yeah. Ended my life the other night. So um, that's how my NFL playoffs are going. But um, in all seriousness, yeah, football season as a whole is winding down. You know, we're we're, we're digging into some, into some some coaching changes and stuff and recruiting. And I guess that's where we're going to start. You know, we we always start with tech. You know, obviously you can go check all this out at allyellowjackets.com. I've been talking to several 2024 recruits. And the vibe I'm getting is just it, it's a it's a totally different from because some of the some of these players have been to Georgia Tech in the past when Jeff Collins was a head coach and even before Brent Key was tabbed as permanent coach and they love the vibe they love getting to know him that they just his vision for what he's going to build and there there were several top targets there I mean that Georgia Tech's lone 2024 commit Jakari Williams a four star QB he was there four star tight end Caleb Odom was there. And I can tell you, he's at the very top of the of the tight end recruiting board. He, he's a very good player, and it's it's, it's going to be hard to land him, no doubt. But he, he's he's right there. But it's it's good to see him there this weekend. And so many offensive linemen uh, offers are going out. I talked to Andrew Rosinski. He he's one of the top targets on the board. He grew up a Tech fan. He told me um, he's also been recruited by North Carolina and Mississippi State, and it's going to be it's going to be a good battle there. But the overwhelming feeling I got talking to every single one is how much they enjoyed it and, and how much they're buying into the vision that coach key is selling and not just recruits this weekend, but transfers as well. Tech has another transfer. Um, they're ele- I believe they're 11th. Brett Seether, UGA tight end is going to join Buster Faulkner, who was named the OC for Georgia tech. Uh, he was quality control past couple of years for, for Georgia. Um, I, I think it, it's a good ad. You know, he hasn't exactly been as productive through throughout this stage of his career yet, but I think when he's 6'5", 230, I think he's an athletic tight end that can get up the seam and be a receiving threat. And, you know, I, Georgia Tech has experienced tight ends. No tight end on the roster last year had more than 100 yards and no tight end caught a touchdown. Now, there there are some other factors there. I think play calling and was not great last year, evidenced by Chip Long not being there anymore. And I, I, the offense as a whole struggled because of offensive line issues and just inconsistent quarterback play. Jeff Sims being in and out of the lineup and then Zach Pyron getting hurt and you have to rely on third and fourth string guys. So um, I expect a, a big bump in, in that position going into next year. And it it adds to most of the transfers have been on the offensive side of the ball from Christian Leary to Haynes King um, to Chase Lane. It, it's been – they. 
I, I saw I was looking at a stat today. Georgia Tech had the third lowest um big play rate through the air at sixteen percent, you know, only in front of like Indiana and, and somebody else. I know Indiana was at the very bottom and you 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 don't have to be air raid throw it 80 times a game, you cannot win in college football without explosive plays through the passing game. It's impossible. I mean, look at Georgia. I mean, Kirby Smart used to be uh, three yards in a cloud of dust all the time, and then, you know, reality hits you in the face when you play Alabama and some of those teams with elite talent that you just can't bully all the time. So you got to create explosive plays through the air. But um, you got any thoughts on any, any of these guys coming in as, as Georgia Tech just kind of keeps – no, no, no dates announced yet for spring ball. So that I keep getting asked that I haven't heard anything. So, um, but any thoughts on the the trans new transfer edition? Um, it seems like a lot of guys are a lot more confident in what Key is doing now than how they were about Collins this time last year. This time last year, it seemed like everybody was frantic. Everybody was, what do we want to do? How are we going to do it? How are we going to get there? Do we even have a purpose, a goal set of what we're going to do? Or are we just going to try to survive the season? With Key, it feels like he's really setting up and putting the right pieces in play to give them the best chance to win this next season. And I think it's very interesting, and I've, I've talked about this with Florida State, with Michigan, Colorado, I love seeing these schools dominate the transfer portal, and I think Georgia Tech is starting to fall into that category as well. If you can get these guys that have a year or two of strength and conditioning under their belt, a year or two of development under their belt, if you can get them to come right in, you can make Key's first year something really, really special. Mm Because don't get me wrong, it's good to get high school kids. It's good to get guys that you can develop, guys that you want to buy in at a young age. It's all good, but when you have that option of having kids – that are not just 17 and 18, they're 18, 19, 20. They're a little bit more developed, a little bit more mature. That's a little bit more of a win now situation. And I think for Key, I think that would be huge in his first full year as a head coach. If he can win, get to the bowl game, maybe get seven wins in your first year as a head coach, something like some along those standards, because I think the ACC is going to be a little bit down next year. I think there's going to be a real shift in the ACC. You got teams like Florida state moving up. I see teams like Clemson trending down. You're going to have some real opportunity to win some big games and get some upsets. I like what Key's doing. I think he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. And here in a couple of weeks, we'll give a full schedule breakdown because don't ask me why the ACC waits until the first week of February or the last week of January to release their uh, full schedule because SEC does it in the fall. Big Ten does it in the fall. Pac-12 is coming tomorrow. And the Big 12 is usually done right on par with the SEC and the Big Ten, but with UCF, Houston, BYU, and um, uh, Cincinnati yeah. coming. In. Obviously, you've got some schedule and logistics. they got to work out there. So, um We'll, we'll give a full breakdown there, but I just when I took a quick peek at it, there's several teams on the schedule that, you know, you're like, you don't have to play Florida State again this year. You, you've had North Carolina's number the past couple of years. You know, Wake Forest is losing Sam Hartman. You get to play Boston College, who I think probably is my leader for worst team in the ACC next year. Syracuse is losing a ton. There's no divisions anymore. So, um, but not to go down too big of a rabbit hole. We'll save that for a couple of weeks, but yeah, just, Go check out alljackets.com for, for all your Georgia Tech needs. And, and it was, it was a good weekend picking up a transfer edition, have several big recruits on campus. That's, that's what you want to see. And you want to see more of it here going forward. But yep. in other news on this podcast, somebody needs a new defensive coordinator. 
And that somebody is Alabama after Pete Golden, whether he was told to go to Ole Miss or he voluntarily left for Ole Miss, we don't know. But, um, yeah, I guess all the buzz has been about the UGA co-defensive coordinator, Glenn Schumann, who was an Alabama alum coming over. I guess I'll, I'll let you have the floor for this one. I think that would be a, a pretty good hire, but um, I'll let you have it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, Schumann was there. I think he was a grad assistant, student assistant back in 2011 to 2014 span. Uh, I think he ended up going to Georgia around the same time Kirby left for Georgia. Um, I think it would be a great hire, but I think the – the unforeseen hire that nobody's really talking about is supposedly Jeremy Pruitt is supposed to be coming back on campus for a on-field role in coaching. Uh, either he's going to either going to be an analyst. I've heard he's going to be a safeties coach. I don't care what it is. Get somebody like Jeremy Pruitt on that coaching staff. Get somebody that has seen the Bama standard. Get somebody that was there during Bama's glory days, I guess, in the last decade. He's seen some of the best defense that Bama's played in a very long time. We haven't seen that in a couple of years now. Um, getting him on campus, you got guys like Coach um, uh, Vinny Sinceri still there. You just bring in HaHa Clinton Dix. You're bringing in guys that know the standard, that know how it works, and that can bring back a little something that feels like I feel like has been lost along the way. Um, I think that would be huge, bringing in Schumann and Pruitt. Now we just got to work on seeing if we can find us an offense coordinator. Rumor has it um, – Bill O'Brien is one of the candidates for the New England Patriots OC job. Um, I can't see him. I can't see him staying another year. And I think the biggest question is like, why hasn't Saban done anything about this? Because I'm pretty sure Bill O'Brien doesn't have a contract right now. Like, yeah, I mean, they gotta find somebody. Yeah, I guess it's more of a because the Patriots season, you know, just in you know, because that's the thing. Whenever. There's co- either college to NFL or NFL to college. Like there's a long period of wait because NFL season goes on for like four or five weeks more. So I mean, it's the worst kept secret. I'd be shocked if he's not back with the Patriots. I mean, Ed, and whatever you say about Bill O'Brien, you know, he he's a better play caller than Matt Patricia. So uh, you know that you were thinking up right there, but you know we'll we'll lead this into another discussion. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, I think is out. He bought him a one way ticket to Thailand, so we we don't know what he's what he's up to and what his future plans are. Because um, I'm sure any college program or any NFL, I know there's been NFL interest as well as him being offensive coordinator. Yeah. One one big name in the offensive coordinator market is off the board. Garrett Riley is going to Clemson, which we'll we'll get to in just a second. But mm-hmm. I, I I really don't know where that that leads. You know, there's it, it's Alabama. They can pay it more than anybody. It, it's going to be a job. Tons of coaches will want to to go to. You know, it's weird to think of a revived Alabama offense like they've been down and not been putting up crazy – like even under Bill O'Brien, you're still putting up tons of points. It's just not to the standards you want to, to try to get them back to that. Yeah. You know, several hires over the years, whether it was Kiffin, Sarkeesian, Loxley, um, they've all all done a good job. So it's – I'm I'm really fascinated to see where this goes. I mean, do you have any just off-the-top-of-your-head speculation ideas or you just – Oh, not named Kingsbury. I don't care where he is. I don't care what he's doing. I think I said this before the show. Let's go find Joe Brady and toss that brother back. I want Joe Brady so bad on this team. Oh, Does his God. lack of NFL success worry you at all? Just because those, that tenure with the Panthers was not well. No, not at all. Because you got to think of it like this. We saw 
2018, we saw a Joe Burrow-led LSU team with all – you had Jamar Chase, you had Justin Jefferson, you had Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you still had that defense with Patrick Queen, Grant Delpit, Greedy – you still had all those guys. LSU was, I think, maybe a th- three-loss team that year. They, I remember that they, they, huh? Ten and three. That was your they. Yeah, they ten beat and three. You. I think Bama actually walked into Baton Rouge and beat them thirty to nothing. I know they got shut out that year. Uh, Burrow, I get it was his first year starting as a quarterback. Mediocre numbers. It was nothing special. It was nothing worth taking note of. The only thing that changed going in from that twenty eighteen to that spectacular. 2019 season, you plug in a play caller like Joe Brady, and that's all she wrote. Now, don't get me wrong, the players, Joe Burrow, all all the crew, they had to do what they had to do, and they had to make the plays, but Joe Brady transformed that offense so severely that they went from a very mediocre three-loss team to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offense and team as a whole we've ever seen. So that's if you can go from that, and don't get me wrong, the NFL is a different animal, but let's be honest, he had Sam Donald as a starting quarterback. I don't think Sam Donald's done anything with his career up to this point. Christian McCaffrey's hurt. Um, I, I can't blame the Panthers' lack of success on him. I think they're having lack of success without him anyways. So. And while we both think Matt Rule is a very good college coach, a good high for Nebraska, that whole tenure with Carolina was just tumultuous and just – um, that was probably not a good environment for Brady to succeed in. Not saying he doesn't deserve any of the blame for how the offense went, but that's a discussion for a different day. But, man, one thing I did not see coming at all, we, we've made fun of him repeatedly on this show, and it was one reason I thought they'd be good, not great, and they turned out exactly how I thought they would. Yeah. We both thought Dabo was just, you know, it's 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 the Clemson way, it's loyalty. And then Brandon Streeter gets fired. And my first thought, and I tweeted it out, was like, Okay, is Dabo hiring an offensive coordinator and going and changing things, or is he just going to hire Jeff Scott now that he's back on market and just, you know, run it back that way? And then it wasn't but an hour later that uh, TCU OC Garrett Riley is now going to be the Clemson OC, which I know you you mentioned briefly when we talked about the ACC is Florida State up, Clemson down. I think this reaffirms Clemson on the same tier. I I, I just I think now that they have an actual offense that can take advantage of the number one. Say, do you think this makes an immediate impact moving forward? Thousand percent. Like not saying they still don't have issues, but to me they're no longer the the same issues. To me, it's just going to be replaced. You know, they don't recruit at Georgia, Bama, Ohio State level, so some, replacing some of their guys as maybe a little bit more difficult, like replacing a Brian Brzee and a Miles Murphy, even though um, they got some guys staying, you know. But Will Shipley, I think, is going to be dynamite in this offense. For God's sakes, a team that used to turn out T. Higgins and Mike Williams and all those receivers, they they have just struggled in that department. Hunter Renfro used to give you nightmares. and Justin it, Ross, Amari Rogers, all those guys. Man. Yeah, it's just, you know, all those good receivers in the past couple of years, it, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but maybe – Maybe it's just the offensive philosophy changing, but um, just give me your. Let me ask. Let me ask you this: Who do you think has the bigger impact and creates more success for their team, Garrett Riley at Clemson or Bobby Petrino, new offensive coordinator at Texas A&M? Garrett Riley. I I just feel like you at least I at least feel there's a safe bet. There's no drama there. Like Bobby Bobby Petrino. I don't know. That was always into some. Come on. I don't know, but Bobby Petrino. Yeah, that's 
It, I mean, we're talking. I don't. I don't need to 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 recount the whole yeah. Arkansas incident. The guy that left a note, one note, one note in the Falcons' locker room, or I, I don't know if it was one note or he left one note in all the players' locker. Is it just the same thing yeah. and left after like twelve games? Just, just one of the worst personalities in in, in sports. Just awful, and you know. I, I at least think Garrett Riley's not that bad. Like you know, there there might be some some growing pains. I'm I'm sure you know because he's not a part of the Clemson family, uh, as I just put in air quotes. So maybe maybe that's a little bit of a transition. I'm gonna say, how much control do you feel like Dabo gives Garrett Riley to be able to do what he needs to do? Full control. I don't think Dabo meddles in play calling. Like the thing is, we make fun of Dabo. I think Dabo is extremely smart because he knows the kind of coach he is. He's the CEO and runs Clemson, and he recruits. I don't think he's. I, nobody's ever going to confuse Dabo for a great schemer or anything, you know, like Nick Saban was, is, is still and was when he was hired at Alabama, one of the best defensive minds in football. Kirby Smart is, I hold him in that pedigree as well. You know, we talk about Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, they call plays, they scheme everything up. Yeah. Dabo didn't do that. And Dabo doesn't have to, you know, he's a, he's a better non-Cajun version of Ed Orgeron. Like they're, they're, <laughs> they're kind of, they're kind of yeah. the same thing. Like they recruit, they run a program. Dabo just does it way better and for a longer period of time. So um, there, there's such a gap between Clemson, Florida State, and the rest of the ACC. Just the more I think about it, it's just massive. Yeah. Um, what, do you think, what do you think happens with Miami next year? I don't know. I Just because they're rumored to be on the OC market here soon. It's not official yeah. yet. I, I can't envision Josh Gaddis being back after the disaster that was last year. I know some people have said, well, it's first year learning on offense. Maybe Miami didn't have the personnel. I witnessed them put up a hunt less than a hundred yards in a football game. Like that, that's hard to do now. All the rules are slanted toward offense and football. Now I don't care who you're playing. If you can't do anything like that, man, it's just it, their offense was a drag last year. Awful watch. I mean, them and Texas A&M playing together last, against each other last year was made your eyes bleed, and it yeah. wasn't because they were both good. Um, but I guess I'll let you lead the next conversation. We're, you know, we we have one more year left of college football, the four-team college football playoff. One year. It seems like just a decade ago we had the first-ever rankings come out, and Dak Prescott and Mississippi State, number one, you had Jameis and Florida State, you know, people arguing, you know, they're undefeated, but are they really that good? And it turns out they really were not that good. Yeah. And just those rankings. And now we got one year left before we get the 12 team playoff. So I will let you lead this discussion as, as we head towards a more change in college football. Yeah. So me and Jackson, we've, we've kind of, we've dipped our toes in the debate of playoff expansion here throughout the season. And I'm pretty sure we're on two different sides of the fence when it comes to this. Um, as you know, we're going to, we're going to be expanding to a 12 team playoff. I've seen multiple things in just this season alone that indicates to me, we don't need playoff expansion. Jackson, on the other hand, he feels as if playoff expansion will be good for the sport. Um, so we just want to dip our toes into it a little bit and discuss it a little bit because I respect Jackson. I feel like he's a well-educated guy when it comes to the sport. I like to consider myself well-educated on the sport and I wanted us to give a little bit of insight to you guys from just what we've heard through the grapevine and everything else. Um, I guess the first thing I'm going to say off rip, if you think we need a 12-team playoff, if, if you want to expand, fine. If you want to go to a 16 and 18, 
okay, I I understand that a little bit. I can accept that a little bit easier than I can just jumping all the way to a 12-team playoff. I think that the NCAA just thinks, or not even just the NCAA, expansionists all over the country think that, oh, college football can transition into a more March Madness feel. No, you can't do that. You can't just keep adding more and more teams into the playoffs and expect it to work. My thing is, I feel like the 14 playoff did its job. TCU earned their right to be there. Now, should they have been ranked third? I'm, I'm going to hindsight, I'm going to say no, because anytime any other team has lost, whether it was an overtime, whether it was a blowout, any other team that lost a game, you fall in the rankings. They stayed at three after losing the Big 12 championship. Ohio State, they stayed at four. I, I don't know how they could have done that because, of course, the last time we saw Ohio State, they got blown out by Michigan. So, and they didn't, they didn't have to suffer the consequence of potentially losing a conference championship because they didn't play in one that weekend. So I, I understand, and that's kind of like a very, very specific situation, but I think a 14 playoff does its job. You have teams like TCU that went on a good run, won everything they needed to. Then you had teams like Alabama. They lost two games, even though we, a majority of the people in the country feel like Alabama is a superior team to a TCU. TCU deserved to be there. Now, by that criteria of the 12, of the 14 playoff, it's most deserving. Strength of schedule, who did you play, where did you play, and how did you play them, you deserve to be in the playoffs. If you're going to expand to a 12-team playoff, Alabama makes it. I think Alabama and Ohio State would have made the 12-team playoff every year for the last decade, and there's been years where both of them have not made it. You have teams like Tennessee. Tennessee still would have made the playoffs. A blowout loss to South Carolina would not have mattered. That game, like I remember calling Jackson. I'm like, dude, are you watching this? This, this is crazy, dude. Because that meant something. Tennessee still had their season, their dynasty in their hand, their destiny in their hands. All they had to do was win that game. They could have been a one-team non-conference champion in the playoffs, same as Ohio State. I feel like they could have. Now, that's considering Hinton Hooker stays healthy, whatever else. I mean, that could have swayed the conversation a little bit. But still, they could have been a one-loss team and had a very good playoff hope, whereas they get blown out by an unranked South Carolina team that has been dead in the water all season long. Spencer Rattler had not played any other game like that this year. They struggled against Georgia State in the beginning of the season. And they come back and beat a team that was hot like Tennessee, and Tennessee just took that game for granted. Tennessee still makes the playoff. That game doesn't mean as much. We're not freaking out because, oh, Tennessee's playoff hopes are dead. They still make it. So what? I feel like what the 14 playoff does is every game matters. Every game matters. I hate what it does to bowl games. I really do because I do love the bowl games. I love the tradition of bowl games. I think it's great for the sport. And you got players opting out. You got all this and that. So, of course, you want more players and more teams feeling like they have something to play for. And, yes, having more teams in the playoffs can give them something to play for. But at the same time, I think – hold on. I got it, I got it right here. At the same time, if y'all, if y'all don't follow College Football Nerds on Twitter, go follow College Football Nerds. I think they have a podcast as well. They ran a little simulation on this year's 12-team play. This year was a 12-team playoff format. Seven of the 11 games are blowouts, and four, and the remaining four of the 11 games are rematches. Well, let me step in there because there's so much hypothetical, and like I, I, I saw this everywhere. Well, 
we assume, you know, Alabama blew out TCU. Well, I assumed Alabama blew out LSU because they were two touchdown favorites. There's just a lot of us. I see so much assuming. Well, we assume this is going to happen. We assume this. And I never said assume. I just said we all would think that Alabama would be superior to a team like a TCU. Yeah, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that's assuming more or less. Yeah. And, you know, some of my my arguments for this, I'll, I'll I will admit to you, are selfish and just elementary. Like I just think more football is better. Like you know, I'm. Yeah, I'm I, I, I want to go to twelve. I I've never wanted to go to twelve. That was never my I, eight was my ideal team because I do think you have cases like, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, TCU in 2014. You want to go all the way back to the first playoff. You know, Bama this past year, I guess to an extent. Um, Georgia in 2018, where you have a Ohio State in 2017 when they lost out to Alabama, where there's a few teams in in the maybe that get could get at large bids that have a case in the deserving versus best because to me it has it, four team has to be a blend of both. You are never going to get the the four best teams are going to be favored on neutral field like power rating wise. That's just not going to happen because you're going to have teams go on runs after watching the Georgia TCU game. And and I, I could be made to look like an idiot for saying this. I don't think you will ever get that kind of mismatch in a national title ever again if you go to a 12 team. Because whoever gets there is going to, damn, earn their way there because you're talking about, I mean, even if you're on a bye, you're talking about winning three games against top-tier teams um, that make it. And I just think – you know, there there was some level of, of, of parity this year, but I guess it's just, you know, Michigan made it back to back, and they were a good story. And I th- I thought they were gonna I thought they were gonna beat TCU and go to the national title, and I think they're probably gonna start the season number two next year behind Georgia. Yeah, and they've been a welcome addition to all this. But at the end of the day, you know, whether it was Georgia or Ohio State, we both think Ohio State probably wins that game, maybe not in a similar fashion. They they probably beat TCU by double digits if they play and they're national champions. Alabama the same way. I just I feel like because the recruiting right now is so condensed to to three teams and the talent gap and just the, some of the issues maybe college has I won't even say issues, just some of the difference college has with NFL with, you know, some programs can spend a whole heck of a lot and can do a whole lot more in recruiting versus the ones that can't and don't have a realistic chance of maybe making a four team. You know, I again, 12 was never my number. I just think for the long-term health of the sport, I, I just think you're going to see it, it, it would be a whole lot better. And I think a, another argument I've added, like I said, is just, I just don't think you're ever going to see a blowout national title quite like that um, in a 12 team playoff because there's a chance Alabama may have made the national title. I, I don't know. Like, on paper, they would have been favored over everybody but Georgia. But at the same time, like, outside of Kansas State, you know, you never saw dominant Alabama all season. So, I, I just don't know. It just depends on the matchup. Um, but, but yeah. Also, with that being said, you don't see the – we didn't see a dominant Alabama this year. We didn't see a um, – we didn't see USC dominate throughout the year. We saw them lose multiple games. We saw them win games that they needed to win. You have big blue blood blue blood teams like that that I feel like the 12 team playoff really only benefits when you have teams like Tulane in there. Um you're going to have teams like Utah in there, Penn State in there. You're going to have teams like that where Yes, I feel like those are big name schools. I mean, outside of Tulane, but at the same time, they're not blue blood programs. They're not 
the and even then Notre Dame, they're gonna they're gonna be back in the fold. I feel like they had a a reasonable first year under Marcus Freeman, but they're gonna be right back to where they were, I feel like. You're gonna have teams like that that aren't dominant throughout the season. Throughout they don't have a playoff worthy regular season, but they're gonna make it anyways, and they're still gonna have a chance to make it to the final four and even the national championship. For a lot of people that do don't want that didn't want to see Bama in the playoff, that said Bama didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. If they sit there and lose two or three games and they still make the playoffs and they end up winning it all, what is that going to say about the sport? I get it at the same time, you know, but, like, I, I generally feel like most of the time I, I do think the four-team playoff got it right. I, I can't think of an argument of any year. Like, if Ohio State hadn't blown out Wisconsin like they did in 2014, I, I think TCU should have been in there. I thought it was always inconceivable to drop them from three the, the week before, and then they win 52-7, to seven, and then you drop them out of the playoff completely. That was I, I thought that sucked on, on their part, but I got it. But most of the time I do think the four team did get it right, whether you thought they could – you know, was TCU beating Alabama? No, I wouldn't have picked them to. TCU should have been in. Uh, Oklahoma probably doesn't beat Georgia the year they had Kyler Murray. Oklahoma should have been in. Like, I'm not putting, you know, Georgia in because they had a close loss to Bama, uh, you know. But then you got years like 2017 where you have Ohio State that lost to an unranked team early in the year, but they go on a dominant stretch and they end up blowing out. Uh, I think they might have played Wisconsin or something in the Big Twelve in the Big Ten Championship. You have that, and then you have a Bama that won every game until they lost their last game of the year to Auburn. You have that argument, and I think Nick Saban said it best, like before the selection and all that. It was like, well, if we were Ohio State and we lost to an unranked team early in the year, this wouldn't even be a conversation. Sure enough, this came to fruition because you lose to a team like LSU. That lost to a team like Texas A&M. You lose to Tennessee, a team that just got blown out by an unranked South Carolina. You see that. And either way, in 2017, they still put Bama in, and they ended up winning the championship as a fourth seed. So I feel like the four-team playoff does it right. But also, we haven't even talked about there's going to be a lot more teams in the Big Ten. There's going to be a lot more teams in the SEC. There's a chance that we see a Final Four of straight SEC teams in the playoffs. And for a lot of people that hate the SEC bias conversation, everybody that thinks the SEC is overrated and they're favored by the NCAA and whatever else, if you expand to a 12-team playoff and you see nothing but if you see three out of four or four out of four SEC teams, they're not going to like that very much. And here's the thing. You say if you expand to a 12-team playoff, like there's no if no more. Like This is this is what's coming yeah. um, afterwards. Like, And I'll say again, I, I barely lean – to, to the 12 team it's been it's I, i've changed my mind on this a few times I, I'll what, say would be the, what would be the best number if we're if we're eight. expanding playoffs you think eight yes Tell eight. Me why. just because i feel i always thought we i, I don't know why we automatically jumped to four i, I just I always thought you know I, I never liked the bcs i thought it was a pretty flawed system and you know there were certain years where you could make the i think 2019 is a perfect example yeah yes lsu was the best team that year but Clemson and Ohio State were both great, great teams that year and were undefeated. One of them gets left out, probably Clemson, who winds up beating Ohio State, and you have things like that. I always, I, I just don't know why we automatically moved to four, I, I, I guess. I always thought eight was, was the proper move because I think, one, I want to see conference championships matter because th- this past year was a – was a, a bore to put uh, after TCU Kansas State went off. We were just like, okay, I mean, even if Georgia loses to LSU, they're getting in. 
Clemson, yeah. North Carolina. One, it was a terrible game to watch in the first place, and two, there was no there was no benefit to either one of it for them. I mean, Clemson went to the Orange Bowl. Congrats, but um, tr- trying to think, you know, USC Utah had meaning that that was pretty yeah. good, but I mean, Utah won and they went to another Rose Bowl and lost. So I, I do think that's a benefit to you. But I always thought get five conference champions, have a group of five champion, and then somehow, some way, decide two at large teams. That I think you know, I thought that would benefit a, a lot of people because it one it would make conference championships important, and I think you would have you would have you wouldn't have a three loss team more than likely like this year's you know non conference champions would have been probably TCU and Ohio State like that's the thing in an eight team playoff Alabama probably still gets left out is the thing about it yeah. um, and and I think you'd cut down on that but. That's why I'm saying 12 is not my number because I do think you're going to get some some teams in there that may, may not deserve it. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like the sport is is trending in the wrong direction. And I don't know how many feel that way in terms of just it being so regionalized. And I don't mean you've talked about that before, but yeah, I feel like maybe more, more access and, and things like that to teams that maybe could not do it year over year would be fun and, and more exciting for them. But it, it's I truly see both sides to it, and it's going to be – the home games, if we do keep that, because I know there's been discussion about getting rid of it, please have home playoff games. That would be awesome. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, more football is good. I and and the thing is, whether it was NIL, the four team playoff, transfer portal, we debated these things. What 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 it's still and we sit here and we watch it and we're fine with it. I think yeah. that's I think that's gonna be the biggest thing at the end of the day. But please, for the love of God, don't go beyond twelve. That that I will be Firmly against that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's what we're going to be trending to, and I feel like if you don't nip it in the bud now, that's exactly what we're going to be doing because things are going to be changing consistently. And we thought a four team was going to be it after the BCS. We're like, oh well, a four team is going to have its issues. Okay, it has, but also I feel like it served its purpose. Whereas if you keep dipping your toes in the water, what's going to stop them from going to? 16 was going to stop them from expanding. They wanted to look like March Madness, and I'm like, that's not going to be Well, yeah, and like for the people to say they won't do that, like you know they're talking about putting 92 teams or something like that on the the NCAA tournament for basketball now. Like that's just insanity. Like it's – And don't get me wrong, more games being played is fine, but also I feel like it's just a – a avenue just for the NCAA to make more money, which it is, but also is that good for the sport? Yeah, and like I think I honestly think if we'd have just gone from BCS to 18 playoff, I honestly think it might have stopped. I'm not gonna I'm not hundred percent confident in that, but I always felt if we just go from two to four at, at some point, yeah. you're gonna get you're gonna want more because they they whoever's five or six or seven is is always gonna gripe and you know, I'm sure whatever process we come up with as far as the twelve, I don't know if a format's been decided, but yeah. It's but it's happening, whether yeah. anybody likes it or not. It's it's going to happen, and, and I just I think it'll make title games better. I think it, it'll I think home playoff games will be awesome, and you know we don't have to wait from early December to late January late January to play just a couple games. We'll have playoff games throughout the month of December, and I've all, I've I like bowl games, but I, like what do they mean? Like I, bowl games, I think have always been trending down. Uh, the last 10, 15 years, probably like they were. Well, I mean, that's like the playoff had something to do with that, probably. Yeah, um, 
I don't know if we have enough time to re- for me to really just think off the top of my head. But, you know, bowl games used to be how we decided the national champion, you know, who, who won their bowl games, and that was what made them important. And then, you know, the BCS kind of took some air out of that, although, you know, I don't really, I'd have to go back and just think about what the opt outs and stuff. Cause I feel like that's just a five or so year trend here in the last little bit. You used to not see that as much, but yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I think uh, we're heading, we're obviously heading for a 12 team. I don't know if I like the way they're going to be seated because I think it's, I think Kansas State or Cle- and Clemson would have been home playoff teams. And as we saw during bowl season, that may not have been ideal. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and don't get me wrong, we're all down for seeing more games in college football. We love the sport that much, and we want to see it. But also, we want to see good quality games. We don't. I'm. I guess where I stand is I'm not about being the playoff being inclusive. I'm about it being execution. You execute in the regular season, you deserve to be in. Whereas if you lose two, three, maybe even four games, and you still make the playoffs, and you're just included into the playoffs after that. I don't think I can get I, – I can't get behind that. I just can't. I feel like six, honestly, would be the right number because in my mind, if you're not in that top six, I feel like you don't have a true chance at winning a national championship. And because you always think, oh, well, who are the two teams left out? That's always the conversation after every playoff selection. It's, oh, at five and six, you got a Bama sitting there at number five. You got a USC at number six. You got – you know what I'm saying? You got something like that. Okay, well, if you move to six, then you ha- you don't have to question that anymore. You got those two teams, but then if you got a two lane sitting there at twelve and they still make it, I mean, and they got to sit there and play what maybe TCU or Alabama or somebody in the first round, who is that a good quality game or is that something that we could go without? You know? Yeah, I get that. Um, and we'll we'll definitely hit on this more because it's uh, we got a long way to September. But just a couple of quick points here before we get out of here. Uh, yesterday was the last day for draft declaration. CJ Stroud kind of had us on the ropes for a little bit. I we were about to put Ohio State up as co-favorites with Georgia, but that didn't happen. So Ohio CJ Stroud to the draft. Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston. Most mock drafts I see have them as the top two receivers going. Um, with kind of Jackson Smith and Jigba's injuries going on right now they both declared yesterday no real big time surprise coming back um as far as players go now as coaches go um we talked about michigan having a possible national title caliber team next year and they're gonna have their head coach um we may do this again next year with with, it seems like a yearly tradition with jim harbaugh but he said he's coming back after being what looked like a serious candidate for the denver broncos job but um you got anything else before we get out of here no nah, man, uh, just keep keep your eye out. Follow us on all social media platforms: Twitter, Instagram. You can listen to this on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Um, stay tuned because we will be having live shows coming soon. We're still figuring that out. Um, trying to work out the technical kinks that we got to work out to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a very, very, very interesting transfer portal season recruiting season and il season apparently there's still a lot of stuff going on like with quarterback jalen rashad at florida so we'll, we'll be able to be here and keep you up to date just make sure you're tuning in we're going to be posting an episode at least once a week maybe even twice a week if we have a rapid reaction something wild happens and stuff like that we're definitely going to be kicking up a lot more as the spring comes on and spring uh spring games start to be Absolutely. Go follow him on social media. Go check out allyellowjackets.com. This is Jackson Caldwell. That is Kobe Reed. We're out.